0: Welcome to another episode of The 1099. As always, I am your host, Joseph Noop, and as soon as I enacted my radio voice, my cat fled in the opposite direction. (laughs) Uh, I hope you are all staying safe and sounds and uh, we are recording this on Friday, November sixth. So uh, the world is in a slightly better place. I I don't think we're 100% of the way there yet with the election, but like all all things going forward look okay. It's funny. I actually interviewed uh, prior to or I, I, I interviewed Jay Lynn from the Games and online harassment hotline, which the young horse's Twitter account actually shared out. so this is this is a fortuitous sequence of events um, getting man. getting that therapy in and then talking about bug snacks. Uh, but yeah if you haven't <laughs> guessed, <laughs> if you haven't guessed already, this house has been singing the bug snacks theme song for uh, the last 48 hours straight uh, or last four months straight <laughs> depending on how you look at it. And Excellent. to to that end, I have uh, Young Horses President Philip Tabatowski. How you doing, Philip? I'm doing pretty good this morning. How are you? I'm good. I hope I got your last name right because I'm I have a, a very Dutch last name, and I want to make sure that uh, <laughs> I represent all weird last names properly.
1: Yeah, you you got it right. Um, I still have yeah. people who I've known for years who say Towski, or like they add a, a W or something like that, but you got it. Awesome
0: the the weirder one lately people have been getting my last name right uh noop but they've been misspelling my first name with a j-o-e-s-e-p-h and i'm like when in the history of ever has that been how this name like go go back to your bible and read joseph and the technicolor dream code or something for god's sake (laughs) but yeah uh i am very grateful to have you on the show i know you guys are insanely busy uh bug snacks comes out on the 12th of november i believe Yep. Yep. Uh, and we're here to talk a little bit about the road to Bug Snacks and just some of the game design elements that you know make up a, a game like that from Young Horses and uh, Philip. I would love to hear. Uh, I did. I didn't include this in our list of questions we went over earlier, but I it kind of occurred to me. So uh, Young Horses' first game, Octodad, started out as a student project and. I have a special place in my heart for student game devs and, uh, that side of the industry. And, uh, uh, I, I've gone to the last like five GDCs, uh, and always had a great time interviewing students. Uh, you guys all worked at, uh, the DePaul university there in good old Chicago. Uh, what was that experience like? And, uh, you know, what? when you reflect on those, uh, younger, more formative years, like what sticks out in your mind?
1: Yeah, we all started, um, everybody at young horses, except for two people right now, uh, went to DePaul, um, for school, whether it was for a bachelor degree or for a grad degree. And, uh, some of those initial years, uh, and the initial, I don't know about six or seven months of the first like student version Octodad's development. Um, we're really about uh, trying to simulate what it would be like to work within an actual game development studio <laughs> as uh, as students, because a lot of times the students, your group projects are, you know, only three, four people, um, maybe somewhere near eight. Uh, and the team that worked on the original Octodad uh, was closer to 20 people. Um, And so it's like a bit of a difference because then you have leads for various disciplines, even on a team that's small, um, and there's a little bit more of a structure and there's a lot more planning involved in getting, you know, 20 people to do something rather than four, where it's a lot easier for everyone to know kind of what's going on all the time with everything. Um, And so like with that original Octodad, the whole point was not only to simulate that studio atmosphere or studio um, structure, but also to enter a game to win the student independent games festival um category and i think that kind of framed what we were going to create in a way that was really helpful um, because we had very clear goals a very clear like end date we couldn't waffle on mm-hmm. when when the game would come out or no delays no degrees done. <laughs> right exactly um and so All those things kind of together, those pressures uh, are what kind of popped Octodad out of our minds. Um, And, you know, we had other constraints as well, because we looked at other games that had um, done well in the Independent Games Festival before, um, just from what had been nominated, what had won. uh, And we looked at all those things and also what was popular at the time, um, which this was around the time that like Xbox Live Arcade was just starting Uh, It was a while ago now. Um, 2010 or so. And so we said, you know, no platformers, uh, no uh, shooting, uh, not first person. um, And, you know, more importantly, like not no 2D puzzle platformers because that was like a huge thing at the time. um, And where a lot of things were going in the indie space where it was like, this game is about the death of my pet and it's a 2D puzzle platformer. And it's like, Okay, I don't know if that fit completely. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, I get, I get what people are trying to do, and also that's a very like accessible genre um, in terms of like first games to create. Uh, but we were trying to do something different, and so we kind of set those constraints of like we're not going to do any of this and see what happens. Um, and and Octodad kind of came from that.
0: And Octodad is is it's a weird time for uh, student games that end up becoming uh, real properties out there in the the game ecosystem. Uh, Outer Wilds. I, I interviewed uh, creative director Alex Beecham last year uh, as that was coming out, and that started out as a student project. And it's always very interesting to see uh the way that a student game is then built upon once it's like okay this is this is a intellectual property that we can uh take farther and maybe get a publisher and da 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 uh Mm what were there like other than of course you know uh upgrading the look of the game and maybe adding content into it uh were were there any like significant kind of like stylistic or creative uh differences between that student version and when you guys you know were uh uh kind of out on your
1: own in the world i mean i think the first the student version um it didn't it like had a story but it was not as story focused as deadliest catch ended up being mm-hmm. uh, and i think world building and storytelling are things that we've become pretty good at and things that we have uh, grown to focus on and also, on top of that, the first game was more frustrating than fun, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and while like that frustration needs to be there uh, for it to be Octodad, we also wanted to kind of polish that out a bit more. Mm-hmm. The movement in Dadliest Catch is a lot more fluid um, and less kind of janky than it is in the original Octodad. Uh, and I think probably the biggest improvement from the student version to the commercial or like released version um, is the move to controller and the move to being able to contextually contextually switch between moving Octodad's arms and Octodad's legs oh, yeah. on the fly um, because if you play on a mouse uh, and keyboard, switching between those, between legs and arms is like a active choice that the player has to make uh whereas on controller it happens just depending on whether you're holding down the triggers or not to walk and it kind of happens automatically and you don't have to think about it as much and it just makes the game much more fluid uh and i guess intuitive even even though you know it's supposed to be unintentionally unintuitive in some ways um so there's that and then there's just us becoming better at pretty much everything we do um having a lot more time to both develop and play test it. Cause like I mentioned that student one was only like five or six months and then dadliest catch was two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and so there's all the kinds of obvious stuff, like you mentioned with visual fidelity and, um, and then, you know, the team went from 18, 20 people down to nine people, uh, over time. And then down to eight before we released Dr. Dad, just because, it's pretty risky to, you know, form a company, uh, let alone form a company and then develop a video game and release it independently uh, without any... You know, we we ran a Kickstarter campaign, raised $24,000, and that was great uh, and helped us a lot in bringing the game to places like PAX, paying for booth costs, travel, things like that. But $24,000 is not enough to pay... Uh, you know eight people to work on a game for two and a half years Um, Mm -hmm. so I think the idea of working those day jobs that we had uh, you know 40 hours a week and then going home and working more (laughs) on this side project that you know may not even ever either come to fruition or be um, successful or rewarding enough for us to continue to do what we're doing now uh, I think that wasn't a bet that a lot of people wanted to take. Um, and so, yeah, the team size kind of changed. The The people involved uh, changed a little bit. Mm. And, uh, I mean, that also forced us to make a lot of changes in terms of, I don't know, figuring out how to be more professional, I guess, have things more together, <laughs> have uh, actual like planning meetings and things like that instead of just winging it uh even though it still definitely feels like that sometimes um yeah
0: no yeah i mean even even on like the games media side of things like there's a there's a kind of solemn serenity about uh understanding that like hey this is a uh a work culture where people are going to come and go quite frequently uh for positive or for negative reasons and um like i i i've told this story before a thousand times on the podcast so sorry listeners but like i i co-founded a uh games media outlet at college uh that like you know served a, a community of like 20,000 students um and like we had you know 15 to 20 people like in our little staff group but you know maybe mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe 5 or 10 of those people would stick with it year to year and obviously it, it continues to evolve and It's it's funny, too, to think about the way that um, jumping out of that, like collegiate uh, atmosphere as you get older, of course, you get more confident in, you know, you begin to learn like, okay I know I'm really good at this, like I'm confident in this and for me lately that's been uh learning voxel art and figuring out like what kinds of art uh that i am particularly fond of i've actually discovered i like building uh assets and like props uh i mm-hmm. i made a really pretty uh xbox series s in voxel which is you know shockingly easy because it's a freaking box but uh <laughs> environment art is nowhere near on my plate uh currently and I, right. I can imagine that for you guys, it was uh, a similar situation of figuring out, um, okay, we know what we're good at and we know what we're capable of. And like, what, a, what was your day
1: job? Uh, I was a programmer at an advertisement technology company okay. and uh, working on basically servers that would automatically bid on ad space for various companies, depending on like the budgets and constraints they gave. Um so basically, you know, like how a web page fills with ads a lot of the time that kind of is automated in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I was working on the back end of that. Um, which I don't know. Like I went to school for being a programmer. Um and like it's become very handy to be able to like talk to the actual programmers on our team at Young Horses. Uh, and understand like what they're trying to say, and you know maybe the problems they're running into or whatever. Um, but it's definitely turned out to not be the thing for me, right? <laughs> to do full time. So I uh, yeah I, I worked at a bookstore, a
0: uh, Barnes and Noble uh, in in Kankakee, Illinois, and uh, I I liked that job, but I knew that was like that was not the thing that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And uh, right. thankfully managed to figure out a way to to get full time in the games media, but. Um, so switching the bug snacks itself though, I, I am really, really pleased to learn that you guys took, you know, uh, Octodad, dadliest catch released in like 2014. And you guys took six years after that to make bug snacks. So everyone was kind of like, Oh yeah, young horses. So this is what they've been up to when (laughs) the reveal trailer, uh, came out earlier this year, uh, which is also crazy to me that it only came out like four months ago, uh, that, that classic reveal trailer. But can you tell me a bit about, um, now that young horses is like what eight to 10 people strong, uh, tell me a bit about that work culture at young horses and how you've kind of cultivated a place that can go that long between releases and like really keep its employees healthy and happy because, uh, certainly you're not the only studio that does that, but like it's, it seems more and more rare as, uh, the industry changes.
1: Well, I mean, I think the entire point, um, or at least a large part of the reason that we created Young Horses and decided to work for ourselves, and that that was the path that we all wanted to take, was to be able to set our own kind of rules and our own schedule and um, work at our own pace. And you know, I feel like there's the there's the side of things where it's like we creatively get to do whatever we want um, in theory, but also I think the the part like you're saying that some people tend to forget about is that also means you get to work how you want um and i think from the beginning we always wanted something that felt more healthy uh and more like we weren't always sprinting to the finish uh because while many of us actually haven't worked at other studios before we know plenty of people who do and we'd heard plenty of like horror stories from um either friends or even teachers uh because we all went um All of us, except for, I think, our uh, composer and um, sound effects, sound designer, uh, Seth, everybody else went to Paul in the games program. Um, And so a lot of our professors had worked in the industry before. And so they would talk about, you know, crunch and problems that they'd run into and stuff like that. And so we just knew that that is something we wanted to avoid if possible. Um, And then, you know, Octodad... (sighs) it luckily did well enough for us um, that we have the privilege of being able to take our time. Uh, mm. And we figured there's no reason if we have all of this potential time to try and cram something in or put something together uh, any faster than we really need to. Um, and I feel like there's a balance there between, uh, you know, not trying to rush something out in one or two years, but, uh, since we have you know potentially five or six to work on something um and then also not working on something forever (laughs) to where it never comes (laughs) out um which is you know the other side of that coin Uh, and there has to be kind of a balance that's uh, difficult to strike but i think you know puts us in a better position overall because you know for the most part at least until like the last maybe month or so when inevitably it's like oh right we have to we have to release this and there's all this stuff um, that we need to finalize and whatever. And maybe then you work like slightly over 40 hours a week or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, we've tried to plan things out to where we were ready for this time. um, And it was only a very short amount of time that maybe we work slightly more than usual rather than uh, running everyone ragged the entire development. Because usually... um, like after a game is out and uh, up until recently, our average hours are between like 30 and 35 a week per person. That's crazy. Uh, Wow. Yeah. We try to keep it chill and, and like, I don't know, like, you usually can't get much more out of a person per day than like six hours that is actually productive
0: yeah Um, i i I find that all the time in in media too it's like that that three to five uh window like unless you're an an afternoon or like evening kind of worker uh mm -hmm. just
1: sucks you can't do anything that's nap time yeah (laughs) (laughs) like honestly like that is the time when i'm like man i just want to go to sleep for like an hour or two and like i don't know with our job we can uh yeah. <laughs> especially now that we're working from home it's very easy to just go lay down for an hour right. or something uh but i don't know like it's important to keep people first of all not resenting where they work mm-hmm. uh because they feel like they have to be doing something at every single moment of the day um but also uh keeping people recharged for when they do want to you know get something done or the next day, um, because you get diminishing returns when someone's exhausted, uh, and it just gets worse and worse.
0: And that's like the the bitter irony of uh, more crunch reliant game dev is those those diminishing returns happen, and they're they're uh, uh, pushed up against a higher and higher level of expectation from a publisher or uh or a marketing team or a sales team and you you know you can have a success uh and then someone tells you okay the next game needs to be 60 times more successful it's like well shit uh (laughs) uh, that that's how you kill franchises is dead space 3 can sell you know a billion copies but it's not a billion and one
1: that a marketing team wants yeah it's also about retention and yeah. potential turnover with whoever you're working with or whoever's working for you. Um, because if you are having to kind of retrain or have a new team get used to working with one another, every project uh, that's a lot of work in and of itself. And you're kind of losing time in which you could just be creating something new, um, trying to get those teams kind of acclimated and, uh, And, you know, there's obviously a huge morale loss if you're at a bigger company and a bunch of people get laid off or let go or, um, you know, you're just switching teams in and out constantly. Yeah. Uh, So I think all of those things together kind of led us to wanting to have a place where people would feel secure with their jobs, um, not feel like they are being forced to work absurd uh, hours and also just. I don't know be feel like feel like they are valued um by the people they work with and, and for um and i i mean that even goes into our design philosophy when we were pitching um games after dr dad internally uh everyone comes with like one page treatments of ideas they have no matter what their discipline is um we take all of those things into consideration when we're uh, going forward and trying to figure out like what our next project would be, mm-hmm. um, and with uh, with Bug Snacks uh, specifically, you know, we kind of all voted on which of those ideas we liked most, uh, and then worked to figure out which of those uh, we would actually prototype, and then what we would make. And even when maybe we land on something where hey, not everybody is entirely bought into this initially we then look for things of like, well, how do you want to like, do you have a skill you want to learn or do you have something you want to improve upon? Yeah. Um, just professionally that uh, we can somehow kind of work into the project so that in between the time that it takes you to warm up to it, um, you're at least, you know, improving as, as in whatever craft that that person uh, is focused on. Yeah. Uh, so that you kind of, don't know weld those two kind of sides of of working together and and hopefully at some point meet where they are 100 percent bought in and they also improved themselves in a way that's fulfilling
0: that that just shows investment you know in in a staff is like i it it doesn't matter how much uh, uh, initiative a employee shows if they don't have a platform and support from higher ups to, uh, uh, you know, go, go with that initiative and maybe make a few mistakes along the way. But like, you know, you're after that, then you have an employee, uh, an employee who feels supported and can do another thing to, you know, uh, or, or can do a thing better. Um, yeah. Which is, is really important in
1: these days where, you know, people burn out before they're 30 or something. Speaking of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it. I mean, another reason of behind kind of taking the six years that we did to create and finish Bug Snacks was that another goal of Young Horses when we formed it was to create new and interesting things that like a wide audience of people can enjoy, um, and going out of our way to do things that maybe if you pitched internally at another studio, people would just kind of give you side eye and ignore you. <laughs> um, uh, and just trying to go out of our way to do stuff that like only we would attempt um, in theory. And that takes, you know, time and experimentation and giving yourself the room to do it. So,
0: yeah, I, uh, the former host of this podcast, Josiah Renauden and good friend and former uh, apartment roommate of mine um, uh, now works for EA and uh, in kind of like their uh, developer relations uh, section but um uh, it 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 is always interesting to like get a early look at a game from them and be like okay yeah here's a here's a genuinely creative idea uh and now this other side of the company has to uh inject uh some sort of monetary uh consideration mm-hmm. into it which is a bummer but um tell me a little bit about uh <laughs> are you guys like fans of of body horror speaking of that like pitching process like were there any weird looks like i guess i guess octodad prepared you for like well i'm i'm a giant tentacle in a suit but uh, uh i interviewed one of the devs uh behind carry on that reverse horror metroidvania game uh where you play mm. a murderous blob of flesh and it was just really interesting to see like how they tried to gamify the thematic elements of being a giant blob flesh monster and Uh, uh, bug snacks is a different beast than that of course but like it 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 is weird considering like all these little muppet creatures the grumpuses uh you know are like really thrilled about having their (laughs) bodily autonomy uh changed into french fries and doritos and and whatnot uh what yeah tell me a little bit more about that pitching process and like were there dark thoughts bubbling up when you guys started brainstorming like what the realities would look like
1: Yeah. I mean, there's the game was originally kind of three separate sets of mechanics that could have been three separate games on their own. Um, In that there was this Pokemon Snap-esque hunting section where you're on rails capturing bug snacks out in the wild uh, while riding in your food truck. And then there's the second section where after you've done that, uh, you have to kind of prepare the bug snacks in maybe like a Cooking Mama type style uh, where you're, paring them down to their essential like ingredients or what you would actually eat or feed someone, and then you get back to the town, which was supposed to be more like Animal Crossing or uh, The Sims, and you feed these grumpus characters mm-hmm. the bug snacks, and it changes their kind of behavior within that town. Um, and so originally the loop was that, and uh, you would you know use what you caught. Uh, to influence what happens in the town to some end goal um and that ended up just being way too much work honestly for our small team uh given that we're only about 10 people yeah um because that's like three games uh (laughs) and then the
0: good old feature creep starts to walk up and yeah yeah
1: and like i think a lot of the first few years of development were just realizing like exploring those options and then realizing like which ones we actually liked and wanted to go forward with after having some people play around with them and tell us what they thought. Um, and then seeing what we could actually accomplish with our team. Um, but in terms of, of body horror, at one point during that, that cooking mama esque preparation stage, you would like peel off parts of the bug snacks as if they were like,
0: Oh God, peel off body parts (laughs)
1: as if they were like stickers or something, because we were messing around with a sticker peeling mechanic in general early on uh, in pitching and prototyping. And that ended up and like they would, the bug snacks would like scream and it was horrifying. And, um, (laughs) you know, obviously we did not go fully down that route because uh, people were just like, it was revolting. Um, i think
0: that uh that that moment in the in the reveal trailer of course where uh elizabeth Megafig uh eats the strob uh mm-hmm. was the like oh the the light bulb click on moment and i think that was like oh, okay this is this is funny in a dark way but like i think most people are yeah glad it didn't result in like making a an ice cream sandwich scream for its mother <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i mean that we we moved from there to being like well what if they're excited to be eaten what if they want to be eaten right uh and so they maybe they laugh or they say their name like they do now um and i think part of part of what has been part of young horses kind of style of game since octodad is creating something that can be enjoyed by kids and adults and everybody in between Mm -hmm. um on different levels similar to something like i don't know a lot of the media that we enjoyed as kids and growing up and even now is stuff where like a pixar movie or i don't know animaniacs or something like that where there are jokes in those movies and in those shows um that are clearly something only an adult would understand uh the, or the actually like you know get the full <laughs> breadth of uh, the fingerprints there...
0: joke from animaniacs is uh, an all-time classic yeah <laughs>
1: Right. Or like they have like Bill Clinton on there and, and I don't know. There's right, a lot yeah. of stuff in there that um that is clearly for the parents and not for the kids, uh, or for like a slightly older audience, um, while keeping uh kind of the core of whatever the thing is, uh to be something that everybody enjoys. And I think that's something we try to hit um as well, like that kind of vibe or tone, uh where we're not I don't know. There's certain children's media that treat children like children. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't think personally it's to their benefit and it's it makes it like more sterile and less entertaining. Um and we we definitely don't go that direction. Uh and I think that, you know, influenced um the kind of body horror aspect of it where uh yes, they're eating these bug snacks and it's transforming their bodies and that's really weird and we hope that makes people feel weird. Uh, <laughs> but But also, you know, the bug snacks aren't screaming, (laughs) there's no blood, Uh, you know, you're not seeing them get deformed in real time in terms of, like, taking a bite off of a bug snack. Generally, the whole thing goes into the Grumpus' mouth and it just just disappears. Um, So we're kind of alluding more so as to the consequences and the reality of what's happening rather than showing it in, like, super detail, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I don't know if it's that we are fans of body horror necessarily or more so that uh, there are themes in the game that we're trying to get across. uh, And a lot of those are communicated in a way that's visual or a way that's not direct. Um, But you know, if you think about it for a little while should become more clear um and i think people's feelings uh from the beginning of the game to the end of the game will change quite a bit so without yeah, giving too I'm, much uh, away i
0: uh, i will be posting this whenever like review embargo goes up so obviously we're not like uh, okay. uh spoiling anything prior to that going up but uh i am i am, i am i have not finished the game but i think uh what was the last like story event i definitely got snorpy and chandlo Back in town Mm -hmm. and i got the i got the meditating dude out in the sizzling sands or whatever that is Mm uh and it is it has been interesting man i that the there's a sequence in there where you think you're suddenly like in a horror game or something and like it's it's very simple but uh i was like ooh, okay we are playing with different tones now this is uh this is really good and this keeps me on my toes a little bit uh, yeah. And I suppose one of the other things that like, I really appreciated thus far is, uh, yeah, I, I at first I was like, Ooh, okay. I wonder how kid friendly this will be and like, whether or not all appreciate, uh, the, the brand of humor in this. But then like sprinkled throughout there, there are a lot of those, um, a kind of adults, uh, oriented jokes, like a right to repair joke or, uh, <laughs> you know, like marital problems between the farmer and his expert, like his expeditioner wife or whatever. And, um, yeah. the, the, to me, like I, my partner and I are basically, their uh, they're a nanny and I'm like the surrogate uncle to these neighbors of ours. Uh, cause they're going through tough times and, uh, the they got a a like almost two-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy and uh it is five, I've watched a shit ton of octonauts in the last like <laughs> six months yes. uh right. and it is really fascinating to kind of see like what kinds of humor yeah lands be one because like it's either directly for adults but like it goes over the kid's head too and there's like a there's a a humor to like, oh, that was definitely meant for me. And the little four-year-old next to me does not understand uh, what just went over his head. And there's a little bit of like an insider kind of thrill to, to comedy like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the fun in it is especially when you get a joke where maybe there's like a slapstick aspect of it um, that is funny to kids where someone falls over or like gets hit with like a ketchup you know, sauce from the slingshot. Um, but then also there's a line accompanying that, that maybe the only, the older kid or the adult would understand. Um, and so you can hit both, uh, like audiences at the same time. Um, and I think that's like some of my favorite stuff, uh, in the game for sure. And then, I mean, in terms of the game going from one tone to some others that people maybe don't expect, uh, we did the same thing with Octodad, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think not everybody makes the connection there that that's kind of our thing. Um, in that it is a very bright and cute game on the surface, but there are definitely things we have to kind of say with it. Um, and we're not afraid to, to leave that bright and shiny space. Um, because even though, you know, Octodad is like a physics toy game, toy puzzle game, uh, physics game there's a lot of story to it and even if you just think about the general premise a little bit more it's kind of very sad yeah um so like we we try to hit those same things and have that same emotional depth in Bugsnacks and I think that comes from a lot of our influence as well um because you know there are things like Adventure Time and Steven Universe that are for kids but they also explore a lot of those more I don't know, complex feelings and themes uh, that I don't think an adult, uh, if they just take a glance at it, would expect, I guess. You know, like a lot of people, I think older people discount a lot of children's entertainment as being simple when oftentimes it's dealing with real issues and um, kind of teaching real, I don't know, lessons, I guess if i
0: if i remember correctly um and it's it, god it's been a hot minute but like octodad really touched on um kind of paternal communication and like how difficult it is to communicate with like your loved ones the obvious mm-hmm. joke being that like he's an octopus and like of course he's having trouble like communicating uh but like there is a genuine love there and like it causes schisms but like is that kind of like the <clears throat> the like long and short of like octodad what 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 octodad was trying to say or were there other elements that maybe people missed
1: that's part of it um for sure and what was interesting about octodad is that initially it was about um kind of hiding who you are feeling out of place uh, feeling other and trying to fit in um and that definitely existed in the student version but I don't think we knew. I don't think we knew ourselves to the degree that people would relate to that mm-hmm. once it came out, um, and so it was also something that later we leaned into even more, uh, given how much people enjoyed that part of who Octodad is. Um, and so I think with like Deadliest Catch, we we just focused even more on on the fact that you know even though his family may not understand him and they don't uh, completely know the truth, uh, you know, he loves them and he just wants to do anything he can to to get them to kind of accept them for, accept him for who he is. And in the end they do. Um, and so I think a lot of those sorts of themes um, are the ones that I'm, I gravitate to yeah. towards the most and the ones that, you know, I hope people take away from that experience. And it's interesting how many people do uh interact with it at that level and how many people uh com- it like completely goes over their heads and they're like how funny you know physics octopus which is fine um it's <laughs> it's completely fine to just enjoy it as a yeah, fun right. cute thing surface um, level yeah, but it's great to to see people um, really investigate the themes
0: that um and, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, kids themes, um, you know, the people commonly associate like, oh, friendship and being nice and uh, not being afraid or like, you know, dealing with sadness or something like that. Right. I, f- I feel like people maybe reduce that a little too much because really adults deal with the exact same stuff just in a different um uh context and and with perhaps more factors at play uh Mm -hmm. and one of the things i do appreciate about bug snack so far is even though it is very yeah um uh, by by most accounts like very kid friendly um it is dealing like it it's dealing with uh, uh stuff like relationship issues like i previously mentioned and um what you what like how two people who are driven by their careers or their lifestyles you know have to cohabitate and that's a that's a big thing that like me and my partner you know work on and i'm sure countless other people work on and um -hmm. it's funny to think how themes uh that you know a a like blues clues or octonauts would be like yay friendship or like you know very shonen anime vibes uh yeah uh could it, it so well translate to more adult context yeah
1: yeah i mean leaning i don't know it i guess maybe spoilers for adventure time if you haven't seen it or if you haven't experienced it all the way through but i, I mean that show deals with like nuclear war yeah uh and things like that so yeah we uh we're definitely be we're happy to be able to kind of present those things and even if a kid doesn't isn't able to like articulate uh oh this is what i learned or this is what i took away from this definitively i feel like modeling the results of how to maybe navigate something like that is is positive in and of itself um not that we're trying to make, like, something that's educational, I guess. Um, but we hope that through modeling these characters, like, acceptance of who one another are, even if they are different from one another, mm-hmm. that that, you know, is something positive to be taken away from it.
0: Yeah, and I, I do also appreciate that the, there's a, a really solid variety of characters who uh love to eat bug snacks or like want to treat them as pets i my favorite character is uh voiced by sam regal um the little oh, yeah. pin, little gramble. pink guy uh what's his name uh yeah. gramble gramble yeah gramble funny yeah. something um and like he, he's you know the the classic like no we shouldn't eat them there but like he has his reasons and and The person he's romantically interested in, you know, has a very fundamental disagreement with him. And uh, it's interesting Mm -hmm. to see them go back and forth. And it's also just fun to hear Sam Regal do like a uh, like painfully southern accent or something for like a little (laughs) dweeby character. Um, Yeah. You know, and one of the other things too, like kind of harping on one final kind of like kid related point. I it's funny we, we talk about octonauts and some of the other like kids programs out there. Um the the four-year-old we, we look after every once in a while. Um, he loves his octonauts and he loves um uh, like Carmen San Diego and he's at that age where like uh the like zoological stuff and the like geographical stuff and like just the the adventurer expedition kind of learning about the world around you phase is really hammered home to him um and it's a, it's a wonderful cool cute thing to to watch and i think that has surprised me too in bug snacks is um the degree to which you guys kind of lean into that pokemon snap-esque aspect of like uh you know what what will this Uh, creature react to or how can i get those two creatures to react to each other uh, by using the systems available to me um and uh tell me how you guys kind of approach that aspect of the game's design and like what challenges you faced when it came to laying that foundation down of um being a journalist slash like expedition kind of person uh uh discovering this new world around them
1: i think what led our design decisions there uh initially were making sure that the game stayed accessible to people we didn't want to make something that was overly difficult or um solely based on you know your dexterity of your hands or of, um, your reaction times and things like that. And more so based upon your observational skills and your problem solving ability, uh, and your patience, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, because when we were looking at, you know, what were the verbs of the game? Um, and one of them is, is clearly hunting and, you know, collecting bug snacks. Um, a lot of the times you know in real life in if you go hunting or or you're like uh, collecting bugs or, or something like that as a hobby uh that all requires a lot of patience and observation and you know a lot of times in games it's more about the action and being fast-paced and things like that and so we wanted to attempt to more closely model those real life situations in some ways um at least in like the the cadence uh, and in the skills actually required to pull off a uh, bug next capture. Um, and I think one of the kind of bumps in the road to that, that we ran into and that we ran into with Octodad even um, towards the end of that game is you start to over-design things and make them more complicated than they actually need to be mm-hmm. um, just by the nature of us being a small team. And while we, did, you know, play test the game frequently throughout, uh, development. Um, there's a tendency to make things just harder than they absolutely need to be, especially for someone who's a fresh player. Um, and so there was a point in time in which bug snacks just had either there were, um, there were times when people understood the behavior of a bug snack, um, but there were too many complex steps from, that point to capturing it uh required to get one uh and we just had to kind of simplify and simplify and simplify over time to where it's like okay all this bug snack does is walks along this path and it's um attracted to like ketchup or whatever um and like that's enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh honestly for like for most people, that is plenty, especially when you think about, okay, well, this bug snacks behavior may be simplistic, but there are also three other bug snacks in this little ecosystem, and they all interact with one another. And while their individual actions may be simple, when they start interacting with one another, you then have to take into account, you know, well, this one also likes the sauce and it's gonna come over and pick this other bug snack up and like throw it back onto its nest or or whatever. Um and so I think pruning down those behaviors uh, to the like key elements and making sure that everything within an environment worked well with one another uh, is where a lot of the work ended up being. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a much more, I mean, Octodad is not very systemic at all. Uh, it's very linear and it's very just a sandbox of physics objects. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Bug Snacks, being sort of Metroidvania like in that, you know, there's a hub and spoke structure to it, and there's a bunch of uh, tools and uh, bait and things like that that you acquire throughout the game to help you catch more and more bug snacks and accomplish your goals. Um, there's just a much more systemic approach, um, and and also originally, a lot of the bug snacks um, interacted with one another kind of inherently, or Uh, like you could walk into an environment and they were already just kind of doing stuff to one another in how they behaved in that level. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being (laughs) extraordinarily confusing to people, (laughs) um, as you could expect, uh, which for some reason didn't, you know, it wasn't obvious to us initially given that we'd never made anything besides Octodad before. And we'd never made a first person puzzle, uh, hunting, feeding game before, um, And so it took us a while to realize that, okay, so these boi next should have basic behaviors of things they're doing, but generally they are just, they're on this path or they're flying around over here in this area. And then it's more about, you know, players uh, initiating any sort of action that causes reactions within the environment so that they can poke and prod and experiment and have those emergent kind of behaviors that even sometimes we don't expect. As the developers um, that you know are delightful, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I think that that's definitely been like one of my most favorite aspects uh, of it so far. Is like there have been maybe two times where I was kind of like banging my head against the wall, like okay, what am I doing wrong? Uh, getting that um, uh, cinnamon snail off of the rock or something, or mm-hmm. uh, or getting one of the ice uh, bug snacks to melt so I can like actually grab it, uh, but through enough trial and error. Like of course I'm playing it before there's like really uh guides out there. So it really right. is like a classic I have to figure this out um by just making stuff happen and uh there there's a nice uh I uh, I I find myself still having that le- nice little ping of satisfaction when I finally make something work or inversely the like I don't know what happened, but it happened and I'm still <laughs> happy about that.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a lot of the testing leading up to uh, kind of finishing the game and making the game in general is not only the like main thread of the story of the game, and making sure people can get through it, hmm. but also all of the individual small threads of making sure people understand the kind of logical cause and effect of their actions and being able to figure out um, how to catch each and every bug snack in a reasonable amount of time it's i don't know it's throughout developing games in general you start to learn how to sit back and kind of shut up and just let people do their thing mm-hmm. um even though it can be excruciating to watch someone <laughs> you know try and fail at something 30 times um and trying to find like sweet spot at which the it's like the right amount of trial and error um and we don't always do it perfectly but i feel like we did a a pretty good job uh and then you know seeing those emergent things um, come from all of that, those interactions and the right amount of chaos, basically, um, which I feel like we got pretty good at balancing uh, a correct amount of chaos in a game from, from Octodad and feel like this game built on that experience. For sure. I was like, yep, this is uh,
0: uh as, as soon as like a, a praying mantis made of like Doritos and burritos, like <laughs> chase me and like I figured out a way to get it off of a rock so it would fight with a a bug snacks. It didn't like, uh, I was like this, (laughs) this feels like the young horses game I was expecting right there. Yep. Um, (laughs) Uh, I think I've got you for maybe 10 more minutes, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but, uh, I would love to ask maybe, uh, so there's like about a hundred bug snacks or a little over a hundred bug snacks. Uh, what was too crazy or stupid that it had to be left on the cutting room
1: floor? I mean a lot of the time when we were creating bug snacks, um it was there were some that were like very clearly like, oh, it is this actual bug or insect mm-hmm. meets this actual piece of food um of some kind. Uh and there were those ones, um, like the shishka bug makes a lot of sense in that it is it, well, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but it's a <laughs> it's a sh- shish kebab uh meets like an ant. Um but then there are other things that are, like, snack pods that are uh, basically little, I don't know, variety packs of, of snacks. Yeah, little, like, uh, little snack chip bags, type yeah. Thing. I actually yeah, that you just that, find. That threw me for a loop uh,
0: the first time I got one. I was like, is this, like, an item? Oh, no, this is, like, a, this is another <laughs> living thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so it, I think we tried our best to come up with as many of them that actually made sense. Um, and then there are other ones that are just clearly like, I don't know, we want this and it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we're just going to put it in the game. Uh, I feel like we struck the right balance between those two things. Um, but I th- I don't know. Yeah, I think one of our strengths is knowing when to let go of our constraints, uh, our self-imposed constraints, and just do something because it is funny or fun
0: yeah i think like you know uh, of course a a more classic series like pokemon uh even for all the like iconic pokemon that come out of that there are still a few where it's like this was just an artist who said you know what i want this in there like uh taurus that's just a wildebeest or something uh uh or like i remember one of the more recent gens had like a pokemon that was basically like a fetus uh like stuck inside of a womb or something like that and i was like Whoa, okay. okay yeah uh, i mean now you have the ones that are just like it's a sword it's yeah, a pile yeah of garbage. Like it's an item <laughs> what okay right uh geez yeah no i um i have uh one suggestion if you guys ever make bug snacks dlc and uh, maybe maybe it's in the game already um the snack pods are kind of a, an example of this perhaps but i really think that and i say this as the the son of a uh very like polish irish chicagoan guy uh <laughs> yeah. you need to have a bug snack in there that is basically a clump of ketchup packets that have been left in a drawer for like 10 years um oh, from and that like year... a... <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and, yeah yeah and and your father is still like oh no they're good you can still use them yeah
1: those are fine yeah, yeah. those are fine from like a red hot ranch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, or it's just McDonald's ketchup at that point, or maybe like Portillo's sauce packets or something. But, uh, yeah. and, you know, I think we'll, we'll end on uh, speaking of Chicago area stuff. Uh, I, I have a real big fondness for the Chicago game dev scene. You know, I, I grew up there, uh moved to California about a year and a half ago. Um, but mm-hmm. i i went to stuff like bitbash which is a great uh event for indie studios and i'm friends with a couple of people over at trinket who made uh Battle Chef Brigade um yeah. no one or two people from Iron Galaxy of course uh for you guys what's it been like kind of growing up in the chicago dev scene cuz i i uh, for better or worse i think you know a lot of people overlook it uh and just think you know oh it's, oh coastal or maybe uh, uh, some other cities but I, I just love the Chicago scene so much. And I'm curious, like what you guys have experienced growing up there.
1: It's been interesting for me personally, because uh, I moved here in about 2009 for school um, and have been here ever since. Um, and in terms of and so I don't like I now have a lot of ties to Chicago yeah. and feel like a Chicagoan. But uh, other than that, it's interesting because of the immense amount of history here. Um, between like Bally and Midway and all those companies that aren't really around anymore, um, but also now like WMS and some of the like um, gaming uh, uh, scene here um, in terms of like, um, you know, like slot machines and things like that. Um, But then there's also... You know, Jelly Vision and uh, Jackbox and like you mentioned and Fire and Galaxy and Nether Realm is here and with Mortal Kombat, which I don't think a lot of people realize that Mortal Kombat is uh, still out of Chicago.
0: Yeah, right. Um,
1: I don't know. There's like a enormous community. And then like you mentioned, we have all the the indie teams and games um, with Trinket, with Battle Chef Brigade and um, William Cheer is here with, uh, with uh, his game Manifold Garden. Um and uh, you know, raise the dead was originally out of Chicago that just came out with ragtag uh, games. And the community overall has been like exceptional. Um, and we spent like with Octod a lot of time going to indie city games meetings and um, showing things off with the IGDA here, uh, things like that. And then, you know, everybody goes to everybody's play tests uh and gives feedback and is very welcoming and kind of open to help out um within the smaller teams that you know everybody kind of shares information even is is like essential and very helpful mm-hmm. especially if you're running your own small business of like here's you know like everybody talks like here's who to work with here's who I'd avoid that kind of stuff um that stuff is invaluable really um because it's kind of easy to get uh, I don't know tricked when you're this small and you don't have um, you know an expensive lawyer to check over every single thing or whatever uh, so that kind of stuff is great um, I don't know it's overall it's just been very and then like you know things like Bitbash where people get to to celebrate yeah. um, all the local games and even ga- smaller games from outside of Chicago that get to come here uh, those things have been fantastic or train jam uh started here uh i mean it didn't start here but you know the what, train yeah, goes f- from physically here to San starts Francisco. There, yeah <laughs> yeah and so you know when train game was going on pre-pandemic we always had a ton of amazing developers from literally around the world um come and hang out in chicago for at least a couple days and they um you know often showed their stuff off at bitbash as well uh, so there's that um and then actually within our office building um where our Young Horse's office is the uh, Indie City Co-op. Is right there. Um, oh, cool. Uh, run by uh, Ryan Weimeyer, who uh, pour, put out Oregon Trail, um, which is like the zombie Oregon Trail mm-hmm. game. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. There's just like there's a lot of people in Chicago making video games, big and small. Um, and it feels, for the most part, like everybody supports everybody um, really well like you know I'll have lunch or a meeting with Dave Lang from iron galaxy and like ask his opinion on things or um, talk to like Josh sway who used to be at Robomoto um, and I don't know it's it's good to get those types of um, those those like mentorships almost yeah um, where you can just kind of bounce ideas off of people who have a lot more experience than you. Um, the same thing with with DePaul. Like uh we had advisors on the original OctoDad game who were professors at DePaul, um, Patrick Curry and Scott Roberts, um, which was like kind of on the art and then the design side, and then Patrick had also had a lot of game uh industry experience because he had worked at Midway and um stuff like that. And so there I feel like we avoided a lot of initial pitfalls just from all of that uh collective shared experience.
0: Yeah, that's always the one of the most important things of striking out on your own is like acknowledging that like, hey, there's there's knowledge that's come before us and like we still have this community that we can rely on. And uh yeah, I think it was like a <clears throat> uh an old like Anthony Bourdain episode from years past where, you know, he went to Chicago and they do the thing they they interview uh people on the street you know like what what makes chicago you know unique to you or like you know cool to Mm -hmm. you and i remember one you know crazy looking dude uh just being like chicago eats hipsters uh which to me (laughs) to me just like really means that like chicago doesn't tolerate bullshit which is a very like i'm from the city kind of thing to say but uh well it's
1: also a like midwest versus Coastal, west coast yeah, sort of thing absolutely um, because there is i don't know maybe i'm getting into dangerous territory here you know because like there are obviously tons of exceptions to any generalization yeah but uh there is a definite tonal difference between uh working with and talking to people here in chicago and in the midwest in general and then talking to people <laughs> on the west coast uh (laughs) i I hear it
0: talking to you too and i mean that as a compliment you know there's a there's a tonal difference between the way that uh you and i are chatting and hopefully like feel a little more comfortable knowing that we're both from illinois
1: uh yeah yeah i mean i think it's just a product being a product of your environment and like what you have to contend with because it seems to me at least that on on the west coast you have to be you have to be more like bombastic and kind of um confident in order to just get by and be noticed um whereas here it feels like more of the time what is valued is being sometimes too humble um (laughs) and uh just being able to be like look this is who we are this is what we're doing and if you don't like it you know that's cool i don't know if i (laughs) I can swear but just kind of like fuck off um and that's i feel like that's uh That's definitely our attitude is just like, this is what we're going to do. If you don't like that, that's okay. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, Philip, I want to thank you so much for taking a ton of time out of your day on what I'm sure, like, I'm sure you guys are, like you said, putting in some, uh, some long hours the, this week and next, and I'm sure after launch and, uh, Bug Snacks comes out on PS4, PS5, and PC, and I believe Xbox One as well, right?
1: Uh, not Xbox oh, One. Oh no! Yet. Sorry. Um, we right now it's uh, PS5, PS4, and Epic Game Store for PC. Right. And Mac. Right. Um, we are. We would like to release on other platforms in the future, but we don't have any concrete plans right. yet.
0: Well, yeah. If uh, if people want to follow Young Horses or yourself, uh, uh, where can they find you
1: guys? So you can follow Young Horses on Twitter at Young Horses. We somehow got that handle. Um, <laughs> you can I, find us on. I, w- I was googling, you
0: know, like previous Young Horses interviews, and of course got like some weird, like literal horse trainer interviews, and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta like add games into there or something. <laughs>
1: oh yeah at at first we started getting like when we formed the company calls from people asking us about actual like equestrian like horse (laughs) stuff asking us if we were like a stable or something no no Um, we only
0: deal with octopuses yeah
1: (laughs) which was funny and you know we got like magazine like automated magazine subscriptions to weird horse stuff oh jeez, um which is kind of fun but um (laughs) but yeah you can also find us on facebook if you search young horses games um and on Instagram at younghorsesgames or at younghorses.com uh, or octodad.com. Uh, and yeah, uh, if you want to take the, uh, the leap and follow me and hear me or read me blather on about whatever it is, um, I'm at tibs. PTIBZ on twitter
0: i saw I, I went to your account and uh looked up uh, uh was like okay he's tweeting endlessly about the election i, I like this man already yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely the tone of it right now right now usually yeah. usually it's me talking about like destiny or something or whatever there i'm playing you go. yeah
0: yeah all right folks and you can find the 1099 podcast at the the 1099 podcast on twitter you can find me at joseph noop that's j-o-s-e-p-h-k-n-o-o-p make sure to uh, leave a review rate the show that helps us climb the charts let us know what you think on twitter and all that Uh, give us guest suggestions if you like and uh, you can find us on spotify itunes soundcloud all the usual podcast platforms take your pick and i hope you all stay very safe and sound and go ahead and play some bug snacks and uh, contemplate the the future of having fries for limbs uh, it's a great it was a good time i i really enjoyed it and i'm excited to jump back into it and actually finish it philip tibatowski thank, thank you so much
1: yeah thank you appreciate it